What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and I'm coming to you from the shop. Uh, if we're not coming to you from Charlie Hustle, we're coming to you from my buddy's spot, the shop. Uh, it is a magnificent spot that has a uh, a great history that our podcast guest today and I will discuss uh, on air. Before we do so, I'd like to shout out our... Uh, our amazing sponsor, Charlie Hustle, been with us from the jump. Uh, if you don't know nothing or anything, nothing, you don't know nothing, that's the Osawatomia coming out. Um, if you don't know anything about Charlie Hustle, go to charliehustle.com to learn more. Uh, our podcast guest today is uh, somebody that's been in my life for uh, just over two years. And she, maybe unbeknownst to her, has been a catalyst for much of my success as uh, Larry has, uh, owner of the shop. So she is a co-founder of the Speaker Exchange. So let's talk to you, Miss Brittany Kreitzer. What's good, sister? What is good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that shirt that I gave you at Volleyama is good, isn't it? Oh, that it? is good. I love all your <laughs> your props and materials and things. It's not as good as the one you got on right now, though. Oh, I, I got my own shirt on today. Yeah. We're going to let the cat out of the bag here in a second on that. But before we do, what do you do for fun? Well, we talked about this, and I laugh every time I say it. I jazzercise for fun. You jazzercise. I jazzercise for fun. <laughs> did and you jazzercise today? Heck yeah, I did 5.30 a.m. Jeez, is that every day? If my husband's not traveling. Okay. Yes. But what's funny is my friends got me into it, and I used to make fun of them. I'm like, oh, you jazzercise. Yes. <laughs> and then I went, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. <laughs> and then for a while, you don't want to tell anyone. Why? Because you say jazzercise, you think leg warmer, you think hip thrusting. Yes. I mean, you know. All the great stuff. All the great moves. <laughs> but it is amazing. I love it. I mean, I feel like we could all throw back a little bit to the 80s with leg warmers. And I, like, I love that time. It's, it's a great time. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's not what we do anymore okay. at jazzercise. Fair enough. I myself have an aunt by the name of Elaine Stansfield. And she is going to be ecstatic. <laughs> Uh, that we talked about jazzercise. Uh, we give her grief all the time because, uh, as I told you prior to coming on, she talks about jazzercise nonstop. She's actually an instructor. And so if you're talking uh, to Elaine Stansfield, uh, ultimately what comes up is jazzercise at least 15 times in 45 seconds. She can work it in anyway. It's like the jazzercise is the jazzercise with jazzercise all jazzercise. It's I, like, it's like, I don't know what we're talking about it's right now. It's a cult now. following, I tell you. Well, ultimately, if it brings you strength, uh, if it allows you to have more fun in your day, you know I'm all about that, sister. Oh, yeah. So that right there is what we call fundamentalism or the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. And you, my friend, have helped me get this message out because you have an amazing platform. So you are a co-founder of the Speaker Exchange. Yes. What do you do? We are connectors, is what I say. We connect speakers to the world through our clients to share their messages. So we book speakers all over the world with different messages, and it's I love it. I'm so blessed to be in this industry because I meet people like you every day who have these great stories. That's true. We're already friends, sister. You don't have to. I know. Okay. Are you sure? Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. Are you sure? Dang it. I don't know. Now I'm in my feelings. (laughs) So, uh, related to that, you've seen a ton of speakers. Uh, I'm certain that a lot of speakers, I'm using air quotes, reach out to you regularly for advice. Years ago, I was one of those speakers. And specifically, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And so I latched on to individuals like you that were willing to kind of take me under their wing to whatever extent you were. And I know that that happens to you all the time. So how do you protect yourself 
from being um, that vehicle that everybody looks to for growth and development and, and tips on, you know, moving forward in the speaking industry. Yeah. And that's hard. We do. We get reached out to all the time. I think we never try and turn anyone away. Mm-hmm. We always try to let them be heard and, and get their information at least. And and you just never know who the next big thing could be. And you want to believe in someone just like, I want people to believe in me. And so we we just ask people to send in their information. We review it. We try and keep in touch with them, but it is overwhelming. And that's what's hard. And I think just trying to find a way to connect to us through someone you know, um, stay in touch, continuously reach out. And also, you know, have your materials ready to go and have done some pre-work. For sure. But, you know, find a mentor. And if you can find a mentor— um, bureaus are kind of a little, little bit longer of a, a road ahead. Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of a, one of those things that you just have to work at. And if you're passionate about it and, and you're willing to learn, then, you know, you'll find your way in. 100%. Like and uh, I think you being a connector, self-described, and yeah. and how you would, you know, really define your business, uh, I'm sure that that kind of is something that you struggle with from time to time because you do care so much, not just about your clients, but the people with whom you work. And obviously, the people with whom you interact, which we'll talk about here in a bit, because you've actually created a new business venture yes. to help facilitate the thought of appreciation and value, which is absolutely fascinating. Before we get to that, I feel like there was a moment in your life where you had the world at your fingertips. You were uh, at Kansas University, and you were doing your thing. You were mm-hmm. dancing. You're smiling right now just talking about it. And then, based on what you told me before, you got knocked down a peg or two. Yeah. Because you didn't make the squad. Didn't make the squad. Tell me about this experience. So, first of all, what did you— So, you were a dancer. You were drill team. Yeah. What was it? So, in high school, I danced. I competitively danced my whole life. Loved it. It was what, you know, when you're younger, you find something you just associate yourself with. Like, what do you do? Who are you? I'm a dancer. I dance. I competed. My parents are like, we could have bought you a car as much money as we spent. Like, five cars. Right. I loved it. So, going to college, I tried out for the Crimson Girls. It was called the Crimson Girls. I think it's rock chalk dancers. And back then, they took, I think, 12 girls. I made it to the top. No, they took 10. I made it to the top 12, and I was cut right at the end. Mm. And it was devastating to the point where my parents were like, oh my gosh, you're going to be okay. And I think you look back and that first year was tough. I had girls in my sorority that were on the team and where you're trying to find yourself in your identity. And I actually met my now husband that first year in college. And if I'd made the dance team, my parents would have said, you don't have to work. Well, I met him at work. Mm. And so I think sometimes in life, there's something that happens to us and we don't know why. And we just have to wait and just keep trying to figure it out and look for it. Sometimes if you don't look for it, you don't, you don't see it. But now I always look back and I'm like, well, obviously there's a reason I didn't make it. And it's because I wouldn't have met Michael. So that's, that's my, my why. Well, what I love about what you just, oh, you just drop a little Simon Sinek on me. Wink. Um, (laughs) What I love about what you just said is sometimes you have to look for it. Yeah. And specifically, amongst many other things, obviously, the connection with your husband and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I love it when you say sometimes you have to look for it because there's a lot of folks that are expecting bad things to happen. And so as such, they anticipate it. And you go into a scenario and you're and you're expecting either to hit every single red light or to meet somebody that you don't like or to have a boss with whom you don't connect or whatever it may be. And, and it's my belief that you see in this world whatever you want to see. Yes. And so for you, you are cognizant and looking for something and you found it. Yes. Which I think 
you found many more things throughout your life as an extension of that thought process, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you ha- if you have a red light, maybe it's because you would have gotten in an accident if yeah. you didn't. I mean, there's always got to be a reason in there. And I think if we just look for it, you can always find it. Looking for the positives. Would you say that that's the first time that um, you could f- recall really being um, humbled or knocked down like that, that, that rejection, that moment where you didn't make? Or can you recall other times where... I mean, there's probably a few, you know, in high school where maybe I didn't make the certain dance number and things sure. like that. But I think that was probably one of the, it was one of the important parts of my life that I look back and it shaped who I am. Yes. Because it was so devastating. And I felt like I was, it was taken away from me, my identity. And then it's like, but is that just your identity? One thing is not your identity. It's made up of multiple things in the soul and essence of who you are. Sure. So you have to look beyond just what do I do? It's who am I? Yes. And that's become more and more important to me as I've grown up. Is that so. something that you've had innately or is it something that has developed over time in you? Just the ability to look and say it's yeah. about who I am. Yeah. Honestly, I think being in this business and seeing so many amazing speakers who have these stories where horrible things have happened to them and they've found the good. And just hearing from so many amazing minds, I think has changed me as a person into just seeing more of the good and, and looking for at the end of the day when we die— People aren't going to be like, oh, she danced or she did this. It was like, who who was she? Right. And how did she make me feel? Sure. And so I think that's what we all need to try and focus on. Yes. As hard as that is sometimes. There is a reason why you are here, sister. Um, (laughs) I mean, I could talk to you about this stuff for days on end, obviously, as you know. I know it's a long time ago. Obviously, the fundamentals are a fun and uh, you know fun and optimistic lifestyle. So specifically, like what gets you through these times of challenge, and not just times of challenge. Like maybe you're having a good day and you want a better day. So what do you do that gives you strength in those moments? What do you do that uplifts you? What do you do to create these these interrupters in your negative brain patterns? That's what fundamentalism is. And so as you were going through this experience in college, yes, there were all these great things that happened to you as a result. You got a job and you found your hubby. But (laughs) what did you do to get through that moment? Like, what did you gravitate towards? Because you used to gravitate towards dance and you don't have that anymore. What was it that got you through that moment? Do you recall? I don't know if I recall specifically, but I will say looking back now, I mean, surrounding yourself by your family and friends, the Mm. people that know you best, that love you best, um, can encourage you. And then, you know, have a minute, cry, get mad. You got to have those minutes. And then I think you have to get yourself back up. Sure. Because you could stay down there for a long time. 100%. We all could. But I think just having your friends and family say, hey, you're more than this. You've got to go find something else, you know, and and you just got to find the ones you love. Well, uh, some new content that I've been uh, working with recently that I, I don't think that you've had the opportunity to see is is really along Ooh. the lines of what you're talking about and this victim versus victor mindset. And again, you said it, bad things are going to happen to everybody, right? Right. And it is my belief that the difference between a victim and a victor is explicitly short-term memory. Because if indeed uh, something bad happens to you or you're challenged, right, then you take the time to self-reflect. How did I get here, right? What is going on? Grieve if you need to. Express the tears because that's cathartic. Get it out, man. Get it out. Get it out. (laughs) But ultimately, close the learning opportunity gap, identify what can I learn from this, and move the hell on, right? Because victors typically understand, the victor mentality typically understand that this 
too shall pass. Yeah. And so having that short-term memory, and again, I'm not saying don't grieve, don't reflect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that do those with very specific intent and be deliberate with what you're going to get as a result of this negative experience. Have that short-term memory and then move on. Because ultimately, that's what's going to allow you to experience life as it was intended to. There's forever going to be heartache, right? 100%. You know thousands and thousands of individuals, speakers that you've seen throughout the years that have, have seen unbelievable heartache, right? Right. And now they're using that as a platform to help others. And and not only help others, it's it's helping themselves. Yes. Right? And I think if you look at these like lessons, so I always take now bad experiences and I say, what was the lesson in this? Because sure. that there's value in that. Sure. Every time something bad happens, trying to be like, okay, this was a learning experience and it might've cost me this much money or this much time or this much heartache. But what am I going to get out of it? And how can I learn from it? And I think if you turn these situations into lessons, it, it just becomes so much easier to get through these things. Because it's agree. not empty. There's value there. For sure. Yeah. You have a very, um, I'm sure you've been called optimistic before. What's your take on that word? Look at that face. <laughs> I know. Like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's optimism. I mean, maybe. Maybe it is optimism. I think it's, some part it's logic. I mean, there yes. is some logic in this, I think. Um but I'm trying to make my life what I want it to be. Yes. And I've realized that we have so much control over that, even in these bad situations. So sure. I, maybe I'm a happy person. Yes. I don't know. Well, um, so I feel like right now, society is kind of a weird place. I will, I will say that I believe society is the same today that it's always been. It's just because of the media and because of social media and because of the way that we, we converse now, it's just different. And so it seems like it's different and it seems like everything's uh, burning all around us when in reality, these, these are the same types of things yep. that we've always dealt with, right? And we're going to get through it. Yeah. And we're going to get through it based on the good in humanity and showing a genuine interest in all, the, all those things, right? Yeah. But along the lines of, of what we were just talking about, optimism, you said happy, maybe. I feel like there's these words out there, optimism, being happy, motivational speaker, that oh, almost have oh, like a negative, yes, a negative connotation, <laughs> yes. right? So I'm, I uh, had the opportunity, you asked me if I enjoyed Adeline's seventh birthday. Um, and we did two weeks ago. Unfortunately, I was doing a gig, and fortunately, uh, for the speaker exchange, coincidentally, <laughs> yes. uh, through Julie Homsey, your co-founder, yes. right, who is absolutely amazing and is as bubbly uh, <laughs> or bublic. Is that what was my, my maiden name? Was Bublitz? <laughs> Bublitz. <laughs> Brittany Bublitz. <laughs> Brittany Joy Bublitz. Oh, we gotta add that joy in it. Yes, <laughs> I was destined to be happy, and um, when I was little, I never smiled. Isn't that funny? My dad called me Pouty Puss. Really? Yes. And then I, th- I just say I was storing it up. <laughs> when? So when did it, you Maybe make the I shift? I started smiling around like three or four. Okay. But like as an infant, I mean, I just I just glared at yes. everybody. Isn't that funny? It is And they funny. were really regretting that middle name, Joy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I didn't know that. I'm going to call you Joy all the time. Does anybody call you Joy? You're like, not no. a fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't do that, You just actually. call me Brett. Just okay, Brett. cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what about B? Do you like B? Oh, yeah. Just call me B. Okay. So um, motivational speaker. Yes. It's like saying it's saying used car salesman, I think, I know, some people. Right? It's just not. But why did it become that way? I, do you ever wonder? I think it's back in the day, it was just trying to motivate someone without substance. And I just feel like now people have so much more substance to this. We got to find a different word, though. Yes. What, so what is it? It's, so motivation comes with, within, right? Yes. So what do you think that is? It's self-empowerment. It's self-belief. It's mm. 
changing your brain, changing how you think about the world. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good word because it has to be just one. For sure. Yeah, that that's the you. struggle, right? <laughs> yeah, put that on you. I'm a speaker. Um, when people ask me what I do, I just say I reveal the opportunity that others have to have a little more fun in life. And what I typically find is it creates a follow-up question. Ooh, what does that, what does that mean? Right. Um, but that's difficult to put on a business card. It is. <laughs> Right. You got to find that one word. Sure. So this gentleman comes up to me at the Farm Bureau gig that I'm doing in Michigan for you guys. And uh, we do a keynote Saturday night. We do a workshop or breakout on Sunday. And he comes up to me afterwards and he says, can I ask you a really honest question? And I said, sure. He said, would you consider yourself a happy person? And I said, well, I'm going to answer your question indirectly because I'm going to shift the, the, the point of it just a little bit. I would consider myself fulfilled. I'm a fulfilled individual. Ooh, I love that answer. And I love that answer. I said, because just like everybody, I, has, I have bad days. And he said, the reason why I ask is because my father was a lot like you are, and that he came into the room, and it was his goal and his purpose to make people smile and make people laugh. And, and uh, I realized that when he went home, sometimes he wasn't the same person. Like he spent all that energy trying to yeah. build everybody else up and he had his own darkness and demons at home. And I said, oh, you're talking about like Robin Williams and like, you know, a yeah, lot of individuals. Yeah. He said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He said, I can't help but hear what you talk about and wonder, do you struggle at home? Good and I thought, for asking this I know, question. Right? I mean, that's a bold question to ask. Bold question and- I appreciate vulnerable moments and uh, I appreciate honesty above and beyond everything else because I think that's when relationships and those connections that you mentioned earlier can really take shape. And so I said, listen, I have bad days just like everybody does. But I will say for the most part, um, what you see is me consistently. I I would say 95% of the time I am this way. And he said, "That's, that's fantastic. And I could see that in you. But Brittany, as I, I get done, now I'm in my head and I'm thinking about what he said. And Melissa, my wife, comes to my mind. And I think to myself, everybody gets the best of me but my wife. Mm. And so I shoot her a message um, and I call her. How self reflective of you. Well, that's good. No, that's well, good. Thank you. And as a wife, you know, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of that way, right? And, and yeah. I think we justify it by saying, well, they know the best and they know the worst of me. Um, or they're accepting of the fact that, you know, I need my space to recharge or whatever it may be. But I think what it is for me is I, I get home and I exert so much energy and, and it's it's not a job for me. Like it is, it comes so natural. Right. I don't see it as exerting energy because I really like all the time, I'm a jackass. I have fun. I like shenanigans, all that stuff. But when I get home and we finally get the kids to bed, sometimes I just want to watch a show and be mindless, right? Right. And as an extension of that, the person that doesn't get the very best of me, uh, the bulk of the time is my wife. And that gentleman, I believe his name was Michael, created that self-reflective moment. So So what'd you say to her when you called? Did you Because you called her, right? I called her and uh, she said... Um, she said, "Oh, right? Aww. Same response that I'm guessing you would give, right? 
She says, that means a lot to me. And then she does uh, the very Melissa thing that she always does. She says, I could do a lot better too. And uh, we recently had the opportunity to go to Hawaii. And it was the first really vacation experience that we had without the children. And the gig was on our final day there. So we were there for six days. And I didn't have anything to do for six days but be with my wife. And so we got the opportunity to like not be on our phones and just chill. And it was so fun. And so in the midst of this conversation, circling back to your question, I said, man, we need to get back to that Hawaii us. And she says, I heard that. (laughs) So anyways, uh, too much about me. Uh, But I I love about this concept is you're a very self-reflective individual. And whether it's happy or optimistic or fulfilled or whatever it may be, I feel like that has to be a very deliberate choice. Going back to what we said before, you could see in this world whatever you want to see. So you made a very deliberate choice to be in this industry. How did you get here? I did. Um, You know, I I started working at another bureau for somebody, and I learned a ton there. And then when that opportunity no longer existed— I had the choice to go do something else or to continue with this industry. And I never thought, you know, a job is a job, right? Mm. I never thought I would fall in love with an industry like this. You know, people say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to book motivational speakers. It's never been on my (laughs) list, right? It's never been on my list. Um, And so to find something like this, and I really think it is, it's the people connection. Mm. I'm not, I'm not selling a widget. I'm, and I hate selling, selling a person because that sounds weird too. <laughs> but I am connecting people and I'm getting to meet people like you and all these other people that then you have a story about a Mike or a For Jane sure. whose life you've changed. And I'm never going to be up on that stage probably. Why not? Because I get scared. For real? <laughs> yeah, I have total stage fright. Wow. But I used to act in high school. I could get on stage and dance, but to get up there and like read from a piece of paper? Yes. Oh, my knees are knocking. I don't know why. It's the strangest thing. Well, I mean, first of all, you have a million stories and experiences. Why would you ever have a piece of paper in front of I know. you? <laughs> I know. <That's> true. <laughs> I mean, here's the shift in my career was when I realized that um, I'm talking to an audience of people just as I'm talking to you right now. You are phenomenal connecting. You're phenomenal at expressing a you. I mean, just look at your eye contact and the way that you communicate. Oh. <laughs> like what I found has been, at least a differentiator for me, has been just the ability to connect and relate to people and not look at it as this is my stage and I have to own it and be an right. expert, but rather I'm you and yeah. sis, you are me and everybody else. <laughs> and I think that uh, I get it. Maybe that's not your calling, but at the same token, I would challenge you to say that you have everything necessary to be successful in this space. And that little hang up that you have or fear is just something that I believe is calling you to say, um, close this gap. Yeah, I got to overcome this one. It's on my list of bucket list of things. I've got to overcome this challenge of being nervous to go up and speak in front of people. I think I see so many amazing people speak all the time and it's like, well, I'll I'll never, there's that negative self-talk. See, I'm a happy, fulfilled person, but then you have that moment. I'm like, I'll never be that good. I could never get up there and and do what they do. I'll just book them to do it, you know? Sure. But it's it's on my list of things I want to improve about myself, which is interesting. I mean, I remember eighth grade, I had a speech class. You had to go and you had to, you know, write speeches and give them to the class. And I would literally almost get sick Mm. every time it was speech day and I'd have to go in front of the class to read my speech. I was just so scared. 
Yeah, that, that's if you asked me in eighth grade, would you go into the speaking industry? I would have laughed. Sure. No way. This is the scariest thing. So, but I found my place, which is helping people like you spread your messages and make those connections. I love it. Oh, and I'm eternally grateful, as are many other speakers, I'm certain. I want to get more back to this list that you have of things that you want to close the gap on. So put that little little yeah. note in your brain that that's coming. Uh, <laughs> but before we do so, I, I want to talk a little bit more about what you just said in that you see all these amazing speakers. Yeah. And if that's the benchmark, you can't be that benchmark, right? In, in your mind. Right. How many um, adequate speakers do you book? How many decent speakers do you book? I mean, you're comparing yourself to the the one percenters, I'm guessing, the Mel Robbins of the world and the, yeah. you know, Josh Sunquist. Is that a gentleman? Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Good job, Paul. <laughs> is that a person? I always butcher sure the last. Sure it is. <laughs> uh, is there a Bob Stone? Is that a person yeah, too? Bob, yeah, Bob. That's... I know Bob. I know. <laughs> no. I always butcher his last name. That's why I ask. But nevertheless, um, you're comparing yourself to the to the Michael Jordans and the because you're the you want to be the best. Yeah, it's but, not but you also know that this industry there is a ton of. There's a ton of organizations just looking for a speaker that fills a very specific role or gap, i.e. social media or technology or whatever it may be. And there's such a need there that that it's hard to compare yourself against the benchmark when obviously it's a journey and you don't start there. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, you know, I will say, too, I've thought about this. We use your resources, right? Mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by amazing speakers. So at some point, I need to reach out to y'all and say— could you help me actually become a decent speaker on stage and get rid of the wiggles and scaredness? I mean, I should use what I have. Which if is, that's what you want. If that's what I want. But even just to you know introduce people on stage, I get nervous. So I do need to work on it. It's something on my list. And I'm surrounded by great talent. I should... I should utilize it. I'm going to be reaching out to you all speakers sometime. Listen, I'm available always. You've always been available for me. So you were talking about this journey into the speaking industry. You never thought that it was a possibility. No, and then I think the choice of, you know, I could go do something else and take the easy route, which is to start over with someone that has a company. Or, you know, we could take this journey and and keep going with with something we love. and, And we chose that journey. And I think when you find your passion of something you want to do, it it's not even a question. It's, it wasn't even like a, let me sit down and write out pros and cons. It was like, I'm doing this. Right. I love this. We're going to keep going. And, and we did. And the speaker exchange is eight years old. So. so you started, though, at a time in 2008 where it was yeah. a real challenge. Matter of fact, a lot of bureaus went under at that time or took a break. What happened? What created that, that little dynamic where— People weren't booking speakers as much, or it was a little more challenging in the space. Well, I will say that was the, my first year in the industry completely. So I came from radio sales over to this industry. I'd been introduced to it when I interned um, at, at the company I worked for. And in 2008, I mean, radio sales were just headed south. Yeah. And I'd always been in touch with you know people at the bureau world, and I was always intrigued by it. And so I said, you know, I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to try something new. And for me, when I started, it it was my norm. Yes. So all these agents and speakers are like, what's going on? No one's booking. You know, people are dropping fees. And I just, I think everyone was scared to spend the money on speakers. Because of the economy. Because right? of the economy. Um, I think, you know, people are questioning, should we spend this much money on, on a meeting? Mm. And I will say, I believe that meetings will be around forever because the ability to have people be face-to-face versus over the phone. And 
even like they're going to come up with holograms at some point. But there's something about human connection mm. that I don't think will ever be taken over by computers or robots. And people will and continue to see the value in those face-to-face connections. What happens after a meeting, you know, downstairs over cocktails or a happy hour, sometimes those are the best conversations and you get the most business from that. But that wouldn't have happened in a webinar. Agreed. So in these, these in-person meetings, I, don't, I just think they're essential. Sure, I agree. And I think that um, in addition, what is essential is being able to ask the right questions to create those moments that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Because there's so many times that you go to those meetings or those conferences or whatever it may be, and we're not talking about jazzercise. We're not talking about <laughs> closing opportunity gaps or, or speaking or whatever. And, and I, I think that's driven by, you know, in some part fear and allowing people in and, and to be vulnerable um, a little bit. But in the same token, I also think that uh, we take human interaction for granted from time to time. And as such, you don't get to see or expose yourself to the amazing people that are all all around us. And so that takes us to something that you said in you know the energy and the environment in which you surround yourself with. You so you said that you had a lot of people, a lot of family and support and friends that helped you through not just the challenging moment in college, but I would argue that helped propel you to where you are in the industry today. I mean, without Julie and Dia and probably yeah. a very supportive husband and all yeah. your jazzercise buds. Well, and all the speakers. I mean, all the speakers that would come out and say, "You got this. You know, you you can do this." Sure. All the clients that you form relationships with that are friends and not just clients, mm. you know, you know about their their children and their heartaches and struggles. A lot of my clients are I would consider friends now and I think I'm just the type of person I challenge other people. When you talk about business, have you asked them how are how are their kids or what's new mm. or ask them about themselves because at the end of the day that's what is where the connection is made and what sure. matters. Are you how protective are you of your your bubble, your environment, your space because um and specifically my question resides in the realm of this energy and the individuals that you surround yourself. I'm sure you've heard you become the average of the seven people closest to you or whatever it may be. You, based on who I'm hearing you talk about and um, the the awesomeness that is your industry, you get to surround yourself with a lot of people that appear, at least outwardly, to be very um, positive and expressive and all that stuff. Is that an energy that... uh, attracts you or you are attracted to? Uh, or do you have individuals in your life that are the opposite of that as well? That's a great question. I never really thought about it. I think I would say looking at all my friends and closest people, they're either a lot like me in terms of outlook and life and positivity. It, but the people that I think are negative when they walk into a room and they're a, a black cloud, I don't have a lot of those because sure. I just don't. I think the older you get, the less people you need, yes, the better people you sure, need. For sure, for sure. And so for me, I've just really been more selective of, you know, who is adding to my life. Yes. And yet I also want to add to theirs in a, in a good positive way. For sure. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why I asked that question is because people come up to me all the time and they talk about, you know, challenges that, that they face or whatever it may be. And we all face them. And I always am very curious with whom do they surround themselves with, right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like when you are faced with challenge, when you have, you know, a Brittany that you could confide in or, you know, a Julia that you could talk, or, or Dia, that first of all is the most assertive and honest individual that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Everyone needs a Dia. But for sure. I mean, Everyone she does. has kept me on track. And, and, but she's so real and she does it from a place of genuine sincerity. And yes. so I, I think that, one thing that I want to make explicitly clear is I'm not saying only have in your circle people like people like you know 
No, you need people Enjoy to challenge your bucklets, you. Right? Yeah. Like I'm talking about no, individuals they have to challenge come, you. Yes, 100%. Someone, my husband especially, he'll say, well, yeah, but yes. have you thought of that? Or maybe you could have done this differently. Sure. And I have friends that will, you know, Julie and I will sometimes say, we agree on almost everything, but there's times we don't. And that's good because that means there's growth. For right? sure. Like, or idea. It's like she'll question and I'm like, I'm glad you asked. I've never thought about that. Let me think about it. And mm. I think it's really important not to go on the defense. You have to be open to, I don't know if it's criticism. I think people should be able to question things all the time. And you have the ability to sit back and be like, I'm not going to take that personal. I'm going to think about, well, maybe they're right. Maybe their perspective is interesting and kind of work that into your life or For sure. situations. Yes. So, yeah. Well, speaking of growth, you've pushed yourself most recently to try something new and uh, stretch yourself Ooh. a little bit, which is one of my favorite fundamentals. You've created a, a side hustle. Side hustle. <laughs> That's right. Because you had all the time in the world. I know. I was like, what are we doing? Yes. <laughs> we don't have any more time in the day, but we sure have created a need for more time. Yes. 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 So talk to us about your side hustle. Okay. Our side hustle. We call it our little sister, little sister company. It's called Right Post Love. Okay. And it was born out of love and passion for wanting to spread joy and love to people on a daily basis. It started with the idea of our kids. You know, how are all these kids, you know, we get to be around motivational speakers all the time. As adults, we're going to conferences and bettering ourselves. And, you know, kids are going through a lot at school, whether it's bullying or, you know, they're growing up and they're not competent. And I'm like, do I tell my kid I love her enough do, or, and him? Do I, do I give them encouragement or sure. is it the constant grind of every day and you forget. And so we were thinking, gosh, let's put something in lunch boxes and write notes. And then Julie's like, I have four children. I don't have time yet. I need to make time. And then it just became, well, why don't we create the notes kind of like bottled water? It's you, people are like, oh, I would never buy bottled water. I have access to it. But do you, is it just more convenient to grab it? So we've created these little post-it notes that you can, has different sayings and different fonts that you can rip off and you can put them in lunchboxes for your children, but you can go beyond that. I've left notes for my husband. Um, I've left notes on my daughter's mirror when she's having a, a rough time and we've gotten into a little bit of a fight. Um, I've actually thought about leaving them for a waitress. If she's having a bad day, I just mm. keep them in my bag. Yes. And it's about spreading love and joy consistently, not at a conference, but consistently with others. And you can, I've seen people add notes, you know. I see you do it, it all the time. That's what's yeah. funny. It's just, oh, It almost creates, it's almost a reminder for you. Yes. Like you have them. And right. it has a it has a a, a pre driven message yeah. already on there, but I I consistently see you guys writing additional things, and yeah. I think that's just super cool because I think that it drives that 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 connection. It's inspiring you, yes. And when you know you have them, it's like okay, it's already started for me. Yes. Or there's a fill in the blank option, you know. Yes. Remember too, um, and I just think sometimes we all need that inspiration. We're moving so fast, but if we can help create people spread joy more easily and love. Then that's our goal. So yeah, it's been a it's been lear- a huge learning curve, but it's been great. It's been humbling to kind of start over, sure, and learn something that you have no, no idea about. So. What's one thing that uh, that you've learned through this experience? I mean, do we have all day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Well, I think starting over. I mean, I don't know retail, and I don't know paper products and things like that. So just kind of starting from the ground up and saying. I don't know anything. Mm. I'm being very honest about that. Yes. And then saying, I'm going to surround myself with people that do is the number one thing that we've done. And reaching out to resources and friends and being open-minded, not going and thinking, hey, we're going to start this product this one way and it might evolve into something else. Sure. And so I think just 
really being open to that we just don't know what we're doing. Yes. I mean, we went to Made in KC and hopefully the notes will be in there soon. And But just, I don't, ignorance is bliss sometimes, yes. people. I mean, we just ask people, will you help us? Can we get these? You want these? Like, right. <laughs> I know. So I asked that same question to a gentleman. And so I was in Traverse City this week. And uh, there were two conferences going on. There was the Michigan Farm Bureau. And then there was like a uh, Michigan Student Council Leadership Development, right? And so I hop in the elevator and holding the door open for me is this African-American boy dressed to the nines. It's probably a sophomore in high school. And he makes eye contact with me and he's so polite and so sweet. And he says, what floor, sir? And I say, eight. He says, that's the floor that I'm on. And so these young ladies get in um, and he says, ma'am, what what floor, right? And so super polite, like I'm just taken aback by, because um, I know a lot of kids uh, heck, I know a lot of adults that aren't this cordial and right. that show a genuine interest in others. So, like I, this kid fascinates me at this point. So we get to the to the eighth floor and we walk out. And uh, I said, "Hey, so is your conference wrapping up?" He says, "One more day." I said, "When did it start?" He said, "Yesterday." And I said, well, "What's one thing that you've learned from a leadership development standpoint? What's one thing that you've learned in this conference?" And without skipping a beat, uh, Brittany, he says, "How fast I could fall asleep." <laughs> I was like, good on you for being that witty, right? But that was amazing. But I think like those are just the human interactions that we talk about that if you're if you're if you're head deep in your phone or you know you're walking with your head down or you're not making eye contact, mm-hmm. they'll never happen. But if you're looking to find people to connect with, like you do as a connector, then that's what could potentially happen. And that self-reflective moment is of what's one thing that you've learned through this journey, I think is super impactful. What I find amazing about that whole story is um, it started with Julie saying, I don't have enough time to write notes. And it's culminated into now I've created this second business that I don't have time to write. <laughs> I know. I don't have time to write. Uh, yeah, it's been great. And I just think, you know, every day we're like, oh, we don't, it's so much. But then it's also you get a story of someone who's like, I love these notes for my kids. They love reading them. Sure. Or, you know, I've had teachers especially love passing out these notes to students. Mm. And if we can just change even just one life by us taking the time to create this company, then I feel like we've been fulfilled. Um, you know, I just want I just want more kids especially to just feel the love in this world. Yes. So it's been it's been a great thing to do. I agree. And I think that uh, again just even as a uh, as it serves as a reminder of to do more of that, right? You know, one yeah. of the things that we do with Adeline, as she's getting out of the car right before she goes to school, I say, um, before she shuts the door, tell me three awesome things about yourself. And she goes, um, I'm awesome, funny, and confident. <laughs> and to hear my seven-year-old daughter say that is really awesome, right? Yeah. And so then right before bed, it's, you know, what's the best thing or the most memorable thing that's happened to you today? And so these little reminders, like constantly, if I wasn't surrounding myself with people like you or write post-love yeah. or whatever it may be, I might not be as conscious at understanding um, how critical things like this are in the development of positive behaviors and the brain, right? Yes. So I'm guessing that there's been a lot of speakers that have helped kind of um, create this mindset in yourself. You had it innately, you know, in yeah. part. But being around some of these individuals have helped develop that as well. So who are some of the speakers that have really helped you in life, whether it's through their message or your personal connection or whatever it may be? And, and what did they bring to the table for you? Because there's so many, and it's hard to even pinpoint it down. 
Um, I think lately, Kevin Brown with mm. his hero effect. Sure. And this kind of even ties in with the post-its of, you know, being a hero is is doing something for somebody else and expecting nothing right. in return. Sure. Um, and I think we all should try and live our life that way. You know, just let me help a speaker not thinking, oh, someday they're going to do something for me. Right. There's something about giving to others that is so fulfilling in your in your soul that his message has really really resonated with me. Awesome. Um, and seeing Mel Robbins, uh, I, you know, I saw her when she was just kind of getting started, and then to see her catapult into having a, a television show and reaching mil- millions of followers, and her just no nonsense, makes sense attitude of. In hers, I don't even want to call it motivation. It's it's just common sense things. The logic that, we, that you talked about earlier. Yes, we just need reminders of it. And that person looking in the eye saying, You're good enough. Sure. You've got this. You're important. Um, and she's done that. Mm. She doesn't wear heels. She's like, I'm done with high heels. They hurt. I'm gonna wear my tennis shoes. She's just created this whole brand of confidence sure. that she's spreading to other women and the world. Yes. And that's that's been empowering to see. Well, and I uh, follow her on Instagram and I just saw a video last week. Speaking of logic, she talked about the worst thing that you could do in the morning. And so the worst thing that you could do in the morning in the video was, especially if you're challenged or doubting yourself or whatever it may be, is lay in bed. So you don't want to get up, like you Mm -hmm. hit the snooze button or whatever. But if you're laying in bed, the only thing that you're alone with is your thoughts and your doubt and you know whatever it is that you uh, don't want to address in your life. Right. And that just goes back to logic. Right? Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things that why does it take somebody that we respect to tell us something that we already know for it to sink in? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just interesting. So, last question What's the most memorable conference experience that you've had? Oh, memorable conference experience. So, me attending or just for one of my speakers? It doesn't matter. Oh, that's a tough question. You know, I don't, not, not one comes to mind. But I think after a conference, when a line is formed and you see somebody crying, mm. oh, actually, it makes me want to tear up because their life has been impacted so immensely by one moment of one speaker. And maybe that person's life will never be the same, that their life has been saved. I don't know. But to see that and these connections still being made in this day and age, it just tells me there's so much good and hope in this world that if you are feeling down, you know. Find that person that inspires you. Listen to them on a daily basis. It will change your brain. It will help you. Yes. And these people like you are out there. Thank you. And we're so grateful. And for we're grateful to have you. people like you to help us share the hey, message. Hey. So, Brittany, you are an absolute gem, uh, an optimist, happy, fulfilled. Uh, <laughs> joyful. Joyful, yes. Bublets. Bublets. Uh, all of the goodness. And uh, I am certain that a lot of people find value in what you do. And so whether you're on stage or you're helping connect people um, that are on stage to organizations that need that, you're making a significant difference and you're bringing what I call fundamentalism to the world. So thank you for that. If people want to learn more about Right Post Love or the Speaker Exchange or any of the awesome things that you and Julie are doing, mm-hmm. where could we go? Okay, so at Right Post Love is our social okay. or just www.rightpostlove.com and then speakerexchangeagency.com is our website. And then at we're on uh, Facebook, at Beautiful. Speaker Exchange. Beautiful. I told you one last question, uh, but I get hit up for this all the time, as I'm certain that you do as well. How do I do what you do? How do I get into speaking? How do I get on a stage? And you and I know that that is, that's like, that's the ultimate pie in the sky. There are a lot of things that lead up to that. Yeah. 
For somebody that's listening that is an aspiring speaker or they feel like they have a very significant story that they want to get out to the world, what's the one thing that they could do right now to move that goal forward? I would say go to several accomplished speakers' websites and look at their marketing materials, see how they position position themselves, see how they tell their stories, and then find someone, find a mentor or someone in the industry that can actually help you get to those goals. Don't just talk about it. Find the resources. They're all around to do it. I love it. The one thing you could do today, go find some resources, see what they're doing. Somebody once told me, if you want to be successful, do what other successful people are doing. Don't reinvent the wheel, people. That's right. (laughs) Well, Brittany, thank you for being on. As always, listeners, we would be nothing without you. We are creating a community of individuals that understand that there is help out there. And that help is by focusing on what lifts you up and gives you strength more than what tears you down. Go out and have some fun today and create some fun in the lives of others. As always, be blessed and deuces!